What is up, everybody? Back again, episode seven, coming at you live from the kitchen table, actually, which we, is pretty awesome. We made it. We made it. <laughs> we did. Uh, this is the Fan Section Podcast. Real quick, I just want to get into the actual little welcome that we have. Uh, my name is Alan. That is Tyson. This is the Fan Section, brought to you by fans for fans across the college landscape, from section 100 to section 300. We wish you the sweets. Um, we welcome everybody. Uh, before we start, I want to take the time to ask you to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. We promise to read it on air. Also, to go over to our Twitter handle, the fan section, and if you want to get into that mailbag, send us your questions to thefansection1 at gmail.com. No reviews this week, uh, but that's okay. We still got a couple of five-star ratings, and like I said, people just kind of click it, and then they don't really write a review. But if you want to get your name and get a shout-out, definitely write, write that review for us. Um, well, we're having fun either way. Absolutely, so. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so... This this week we we uh, we talked about our last week we talked about the conference USA right so it's like one of those things where this week I want to dive into the MAC I think that that highlighting that will and we'll just stick with the same schedule I thought it was smooth last week mm-hmm. as far as going from just being able to kind of give it all our information and dive into that one conference and top of those players um, but we will highlight some of the some of the teams in the MAC as well. Um, real quick though, there was a couple a couple recruiting tidbits. Uh, Le'Veon Moss did de- decommit from uh, Alabama. Uh, he's a running back. Uh, I believe he's a four star. Um, so when I said like in the first couple episodes, as far as like when a player why a player decommits, um, it's usually because that that school, especially someone like Luther, no off- or Le'Veon, no offense to Le'Veon, but um, in this case, I think Alabama was kind of pitching someone else. Um, and they or they might have had their eyes set on someone in, the, in next year's class a little bit harder, um, but they they did they went to him, open up a recruiting that's fine, um, and then Luther Burden received a five star. So this is where that that anomaly is, right? That five when a five star decommits, it's usually early playing time is always the pitch. His top two schools outside he decommitted from Oklahoma, which kind of confuses me because like Oklahoma's known for these bigger teams like CD Lamb, um, mm-hmm. the Hazelwood is there right now. So it's like they're gonna need a really I think that Oklahoma's kind of reeling because they don't really have a, a like that they have Sawchuck and, and, and Malik coming in yeah. or Relique coming in. Mm-hmm. But those are running backs. They're not gonna turn Sawchuck into a, a receiver. So I think Oklahoma's kind of reeling as far as getting that, that top tier receiver that they're used to getting. Because after Hazelwood leaves, there's really not anybody else. Um, so, but his Luther's top two schools are Missouri and my dogs, Georgia is what he said. Those are the two schools that he's only interested in right now. Um, so he's going to take visits for sure coming up soon. I think he's really, he's leaning more toward Missouri is what the, what the report is, which is I think good for Missouri, right? Like if they have a big year this year, uh, you know, it could potentially be a landfall or, or maybe, and I'm not saying this, I don't want to speculate. Um, NIL came into play. You know, you you only wonder, right? I think it's just like the kind of the tip of the iceberg for that. Um, as far as the other news, the top 100 for the 2024 class was announced. Um, there's 21 players from Florida, and there's 18 from Georgia. There's 15 players from Texas. And those are the three states that kind of highlight. So all of the talent is obviously there. So recruiting battles, get ready. Florida State, Florida, Miami, um, Alabama, Georgia, Auburn even. They like to hit those states uh, as far as Georgia. Running Georgia, I think that's good for my dogs. Um, also, don't count out G Tech. Like that's a team that can really, really, really kind of I think with their switch of the offense, start to play into more favorable action as far as recruiting goes. 
Um, and then the top player in that class is Jaden Davis, the quarterback. And he's actually from South Carolina, so um, don't count out South Carolina getting a top top tier uh, recruit coming up soon. Um, um, did you want to take uh, take advantage of this opportunity? You're talking about some of the SEC teams. Absolutely. When we when we covered SEC a little while back, uh, and this was my fault, we missed uh, one uh, team that is actually a pretty good team in the conference, uh, the Missouri Tigers. So do you want to kick it off? Yes, yeah, so let's kick it off and talk about them. Missouri Tigers, uh, so Coach Eli Drinkwitz, coming in as year two. And, yes, we know this isn't the conference we're going to cover, but we didn't do Missouri a service. And it's also because mm-hmm. we just crammed too much, I think. Yep. Um, Michael Mady is one of the is a center. He's going to get a lot of looks for potentially being a, a second-round draft pick. Trayshawn Jeffcoat on the second team, uh, all-SEC all team. Tyler Batty is more of a receiving running back. And then Connor Basilak, the quarterback, coming in. Started halfway through last season, but he put up really good numbers as far as them. And I think this is why they have Missouri kind of being sneaky good and being able to actually compete for the East. Mm-hmm. It's all because of Bazelak. Um He was also, so 2,300 yards, 17 Ds, 6 interceptions. You want to see him clean up the interceptions, but like the last big, like big arm quarterback that came from Missouri was Drew Locke. This kid, I think, has a stronger arm than he does. And their strength of schedule is very, very favorable for Missouri to actually potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're going to win the East because I don't think they're going to beat Georgia, but they're going to give Georgia a run for their money. Yeah, here's some of the teams they play out of conference. Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri, and uh, North Texas. So all of the directional schools Missouri has stacked up onto their schedule. Uh, <laughs> our numbers have them going 7-5. and five. One kind of swing game, you know, week two, they're at Kentucky. That could be a push. Week four, they're at Boston College. Mm. Boston College has a ton of talent. But if Missouri could start 4-0, that you could be looking at an 8- or 9-win team. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, one Great. thing I just wanted to mention about Connor Bazelak. So he was, last year, SEC co-freshman of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but only 28% on passes 20-plus yards. So, and they so it's not accurate. Well, so a lot of checkdowns, you know, would be my assumption. And you mentioned six interceptions. They only get, you know, Kiki Chisholm back is the only kind of top-wide receiver that they're getting back. Mm-hmm. But uh, you were telling me a guy to keep an eye on is Mookie Cooper. Yep. Yeah, Mookie Cooper, he transferred from Ohio State, is a former top 100 recruit while we're on the, the 100, 100 list that just came out. Um, Mookie is definitely someone to keep an eye on. He's he's a is a struggle for any corner. Uh, it can't be he, – he beats double teams, like, mm-hmm. regularly. Um, his, you'd like to see him improve on his route running a little bit. But as far as, like um, – being able and he comes in the SEC, so he's gonna fix that pretty quick, mm-hmm. right? Going up against the best corners week in week out. Um, so yeah, I think that Missouri is definitely a sneaky good team. Bowl win for sure. Anything less than probably an eight win season for them is 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 a failure. Five and five last year. The numbers have them going seven and five. Really, them in Kentucky. That Kentucky game will be a kind of a decider. One of them's going eight and four. The other's going seven and five. Yeah. Or like I mentioned, the Boston College game in week four. Absolutely. So. All right, thanks for letting me do that. And sorry, right. sorry guys about missing that one. No, no, it's it, it, I'm I'm glad we were able to cover it. So, uh, moving on though, we did talk about conference outlook this week. We're gonna talk about the MAC, the Mid American Conference. Um, like, like like always, we're gonna dive into the marquee matchups. The we'll talk about the teams, some highlight players to to kind of watch. So, moving forward though, the the big matchup that I'm really excited for is Buffalo Nebraska, September 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska's down. Right, like, and I know, take your bias out the window, right? Scott Frost, if Scott Frost loses this game, which I think they will, I'm gonna put, I'm putting Nebraska right now on upset alert because I think Buffalo is gonna come in even without Jarrett Patterson, who's in the NFL right now. 
I think Buffalo's going to run all over Nebraska. I really do. So I couldn't disagree more, uh, <laughs> which is probably probably good. But Buffalo is a tremendously talented team. Yeah, they their head coach just left though, and and they've lost quite a bit of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned their Patterson, running yeah. back right mm-hmm. that just Jared left. Uh, the numbers are actually quite high on Nebraska, which may be. Uh, shocking to hear a Colorado Buffalo fan say, oh, but uh, but the, the table is really kind of set for Nebraska this year uh, with their schedule and with the returning production with Martinez at quarterback. I think I think Buffalo. The numbers have Buffalo losing that one. I agree though. If Nebraska loses that game, that's not a good sign, and probably Scott Frost is gone. Oh man, I, you're you're way higher on Nebraska than I am. <laughs> I don't think Nebraska's gonna win. I think five games. I just don't see it. But we will dive into that yeah. conference later mm-hmm. on. Um, focusing back, though, there's another one. Penn State comes down. Ball State um, against yeah. Penn State yeah. on the same day. So that's kind of a slate that's already start, starting out pretty strong for me. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to be glued to the TV probably that day. Um, the, so next, yeah. the next week you get Kent State at Iowa. Mm. And you're, we're about to talk about it here. But Jesus. Kent State has the number one offense analytics rating yeah. the number one offense in the country i feel like this is kind of a tryout like you, you know all these super teams that are super conferences that are like being talked about like forming it could be this could potentially could. like like if you're the big 10 you're kind of keeping your eye on some of these teams uh-huh. i mean kent state for sure ball state for sure not necessarily buffalo i don't think logistically yeah. that makes sense yeah, maybe if maybe 10. if kent state beats maryland <laughs> on september 25th right. the big 10 drops maryland and picks up kent state <laughs> Never could be done. like a relegation thing. I don't know, man. They love that Under Armour down at Big Ten. So, um, How the media has it shaping up is Ball State, Toledo, and Western Michigan are coming at 1-2-3 in the West. Kent State, Ohio, and Miami are coming 1-2-3 in the East. Um, as far as what we have going, though, we have we have a little bit of mix-up. We have Kent State, Buffalo, and Ohio finishing 1-2-3. Buffalo going 6-2. and two. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Um, Ball State, Toledo, Western Michigan – um, one, two, three in the West, and we have Ball State going undefeated in conference, but hoping their one loss, and I think that's probably against Penn State, which is pretty accurate to say. Like, um, I'm not expecting Ball State to pull an upset there, but if they do, that'd be amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, so. yep, yep. A lot, of, a lot of turnover and com- kind of tumult uh, in the Buffalo program, and yeah. Kent State gets a tough schedule. Uh, Ball, I think this is the year for Ball State. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, the, the numbers have them going 11-1, and one, as you mentioned. And I'm going to ask the question again like I did last week. Is there a top 25 team in this in this conference? I think Ball State you could be. Ball yeah, State I mean, if, if they go 11-1, and one, they would have the only loss being at Penn State. They would have beaten Army. They would have beaten at Wyoming. That's probably kind of their two toughest games. Last game of the season, Ball State gets Buffalo at home. Mm. So I depends. Yeah, I mean they've got middle of the season. They're yeah. at Western Michigan. That one could be another toss up. But this is a this is a substantially tougher schedule than we were talking about with Texas San Antonio last week. Yeah. So I I, th- I think if they go eleven and one, they're ranked. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the offensive players that we're going to highlight for sure is Dustin Crum. That's who we think is going to go beyond. We talked about Kent State in, in a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll dive into them for sure as the as the the conference comes up, or the team comes up here in a little bit. Um, 
I can't speak enough about this kid. In four games, he was able to go 1,100 yards, 12 TDs, two interceptions, three sacks. That Those numbers, are, they just jump off the page in four games. That's insane. Um, he also had Ja'Shawn Polk is coming back, um, which is his only receiver from last year returning. So, But they do have a very, very talented offensive line led by Bradford and Cooper. Um, or Sorry, the, the offensive line. And then Bradford and Cooper are his running backs coming back. So offense is definitely the strength of Kent, right? I think that's... There's, there's really nothing else you can say about him. How how well this kid is. I like his arm. I like his accuracy. I like the fact that he has just a, just under seventy five percent completion rate. Um, this is a kid that you could potentially see on Sundays competing for you know a, a team that's really really quarterback thirsty. You're talking about Carson Strong from Nevada. Why not this kid? Yeah, the, those are the two. When you talk about um, what's his name, the quarterback for Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Oh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah, Talk about Josh yeah. Allen coming from Wyoming. The two comps that I have kind of been able to identify are Carson Strong, you mentioned from Nevada, yeah. and this guy, Dustin Crum. Yeah. Not, a, not a lot of sample size. You mentioned they only played four games last year. Yeah. But, you know, 11, almost 1,200 yards in four games. That's insane. I mean, that. With that, 12 TDs. That's, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a tremendous output. That's 300 yards passing and three touchdowns a game. Only two interceptions. Yeah, he's he's mobile. He only got sacked three times. I, I agree with you. I think that this guy is an outstanding talent. Yeah, and you do analytic wise. I think just like Marshall has kind of one of the best defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. Kent State is returning potentially the best offense in the country, yeah. and that's over Bama. And and this uh-huh. is just analytic wise. We know that they obviously don't have the same talent, but as well, far it's as, it's production based, yes. and so. Bama may have better players, but they're also playing tougher teams, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what we're talking about is relative relative to who they play. Right. This is the number one offense in the country. And then we'll highlight uh, the dark horse who potentially win is Ball State uh, quarterback Drew Plitt. Um, 17 TDs, 6 interceptions, 28 sacks. Uh, his his production was there. Like, it really was. I think he's definitely going to give Crum a run for his money. Um, every time you say Crum, I think of Harry Potter, like Victor Crum <laughs> catching the snitch, the Joe. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so Drew Plitt has a lot of a lot of potential coming uh, on the offense coming in to help him all upper class. So a lot of juniors and seniors, very experienced on that offense. Um, Justin Hall is the first team All Conference receiver, um, six hundred sixty five yards, and then uh, they have Tyler with six hundred seven yards, eight TDs, and then so there's just experience throughout the, throughout that offense. Yeah, you returned two wide receivers in Hall and Joe <coughs> Hines Tyler, who both had six hundred plus yards. Yeah, uh, I mean. Eight touchdowns for Tyler. There's a lot of returning talent. He, you know, Drew Plitt is not the the pure talent that uh, you know that you talk about when you talk about Dustin Crum. But they have they have a ton of other talent around him, and so I think both offenses are going to be explosive. This is a, also a top twenty offense in the country. Uh, so you know it's going to be exciting to watch some of this MAC football as as we. Get through the season. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, defensive player of the year. So Troy Harrison from Central Michigan only played in six games last year, but he was able to get some some pretty solid stats with the Chippewas. Forty-one tackles, five and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and one fumble recovery. Um, they do have a young secondary, uh, so he's got to put everybody into place. You wonder if 
he's able to get them kind of lined up before that secondary him relying on you know things behind them. It's tough to, as a linebacker to trust sometimes. Uh, we've highlighted Brandon Martin though, another Ball State player. Like I said, they just have talent all over the board. Um, 90 tackles and one sack, so he's definitely he's he's that guy. He's a run stopper for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, his you want to see him kind of build up a little bit in the in the the passing defense game. Um, I think if he were able to kind of edge that that part of his game out, he might actually be a potential, you know, second round, third round pick, which is a lot to say from Ball State. There's still talent across the board for sure, and he's playing next to a really good linebacker, Christian Albright, um, and that offense is going to put up points, which again feeds in the defense and their ability to. They know they're always going to be in a passing situation at that point. It just mm-hmm. pin your ears back and go get him, kid. I want to see this kid get ten sacks. Yeah, yeah, their their opponent's going to be passing a lot to catch up. Over the top, too, they have a, also another first-team all-conference player in safety, Bryce Crosby. Uh, tremendously talented team. I, Ball State, I think, is, is a very good team. Right. Uh, and, and so, uh, and they, like I mentioned, they have a pretty favorable schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Central Michigan, uh, Troy Harrison is a tremendous talent, but you mentioned a, a young secondary. They've got two sophomores on the D-line, and then on the other side of the ball, you have a new freshman quarterback. Mm. I'm, I'm, you know, it's going to be a tough go for Central Michigan this year, but he he could uh, rise up because he's going to have plenty of opportunities to get tackles, yeah, and uh, and sort of uh, turn the ball over, yeah, and absolutely disrupt games too. So we'll move right into the teams here. Um, so we'll start with alpha, going alphabetically. Akron, the Zips, with Tom Arth coming into their third year. Um, as far as offensive production, it's 85% is what's coming back, uh, analytic-wise, what we have. Um, and then the impact players we've highlighted is Bubba Arslan, the second-team all-conference player. The kid's a monster. Um, and then Tion Dollard, uh, and then A.J. Watts. They, their strength of schedule, though, for Akron in, in their conference, and based on their talent, is the hardest in the conference. So with, with Bubba being as good of a player he is, I just don't see this team winning a game. I really, I, it's it's going to be tough for them too. Like, and I, I feel really bad saying that about any college program, but this team, I think they're just going to be overmatched a lot of Saturdays, um, and it yeah. just sucks because you just you want you want everybody to succeed. You know what I mean? But they you know, someone has to lose, and unfortunately, week, Akron I think is going to be that team. Yeah, week one. Well, so they 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 don't have the least amount of talent in the conference. No, no, no. Our analytics show that there are worse teams in the conference than them. But week one, they play at Auburn. Week four, at Ohio State. Now, yeah. now week three, they get Bryant at home. They could possibly win that one. Okay. The numbers have them winning that one. So that's their, their one win. And they also get a win, according to the numbers, on the road against Bowling Green, who is a bad team this year. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, it's so, okay. So, potentially for two wins. Two and ten is yeah. what the numbers have them. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, Ball State, we've, we've kind of highlighted them in depth. We won't go too much further into them. We'll just talk about some players you probably haven't heard of, uh, which is right guard Curtis Blackwell, and then Amichi Uzadima um, is the corner. And then there, Justin Hall, we mentioned, Brandon Martin, and Bryce Crosby are all the first team uh, players. Uh, I don't see this team, if they lose, I'll be surprised, honestly. I really will. Uh, they just have a ton of talent coming back. Yeah, so week two, they're at Penn State. And remember, Penn State had a poor season last year, yeah. but they returned Sean Clifford. They're looking to bounce back. Yeah, I, I like I said, we talked about it earlier. If they can win that game at Penn State and win out, wow, you know they're 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 they should be favored in every other game they play, uh, with the possible exception 
of, I guess, maybe week three at Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, Mike New has got this program going in the right direction. They were 7-1 and one last year, uh, a tremendous season in the shortened shortened season. Return 80% of the offensive production. I'm looking forward to watching Ball State this year. Um and you know, just on both sides of the ball, Brandon, they could have they could have the offensive and defensive player of the year in the conference between Drew Plitt and uh, Brandon Martin, like we talked about. So it's going to be exciting to watch Ball State this oh, week. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and then Bowling Green, we talked about them a little bit just, just previously. Just they're they're kind of one of the other worst teams in the conference. They do have some pretty solid. T- they have a really good kicker to uh, Kate Nin- or Nate. Nate Nedham, and then Carl Brooks as uh, their defensive end, and then Darren Adders. So I think that definitely the defensive as far as returning production is the strength of this team, coming in just under eighty percent. Um, so can you you wonder if this team this defense is able to kind of do some things like hit the ball back to the offense a bunch of times, turnover differential is going to come into play. They do have a favorable strength of schedule for Bowling Green, but really, I mean, in in general, if you're a Bowling Green fan. A bowl game is the Super Bowl for you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. so. Oh, they, I think they would be very lucky right. and blessed to make a bowl game this year. <laughs> uh, quarterback Matt McDonald is a redshirt senior in five games last year, and this is one of your stats that you look out for. 43.9% completion percentage. I just don't. One so. touchdown, six interceptions. Yeah, that's not good, man. Like, so completion percentage, if you want to be a top a top, a top pick, you need to be somewhere between 68% and, and the, the I mean, obviously, you know, Higher, anything no. anything above 68. Yeah. I mean, there's no – no one is ever going to be 90. You know what I mean? But, like, so, you know, it's realistically – it's realistic to be 68 to about maybe 79-ish. Um, and as the as the quarterback trend kind of continues to just being – like I, I mentioned in the previous podcast, NFL quarterbacks are – they're coming to the league from the college more pro-ready than they've ever been in their entire life. So Game, that's something you need to change. Yeah, yeah. Game, they don't – like uh, I think you mentioned earlier too, less than sixty percent offensive production returning. They really don't have that difficult of a schedule. They just don't have a ton of talent. Right. Uh, week two, South Alabama at home, and week three, Murray State at home. That it, you know, if they need to win both of those games if yeah. they want to try and do something here, uh, our numbers have them beating Murray State at home week three, finishing the season one and eleven. Mm. That's tough. Uh, moving on, Buffalo, a team that I really like. <laughs> You're not so high on um, as far as their talent goes. Just under 70% on the offense side of the ball. Their defense has definitely lost some talent, and they did lose some talent on the offense, like as far as the running back coach, Jarrett Patterson. Can't speak about him enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kevin Marks Jr., first team All-Mac, is coming in uh, to replace really big shoes to fill. And he also has James Patterson. Um, and then J- Jake Fuzak and Tyler Riggins are all first team Mac players as well. Um, and Ron Cook is another one of those scat back players. And, mm-hmm. like, you can kind of use him in a bunch of different personal Athletes, sets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then Kyle, it's, but can Kyle Vantrese be the quarterback you put to say, hey, dude, we're down by four in the fourth quarter. Here's the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've yet to see that from him, and I really want to. Um, as far as the percentage, he's, he's way higher at 60%. Um, you want to see him bump that up a little bit, 1,300 yards. Um, so the schedule is favorable for them. I, I really don't see them. They're, they're going to be in the mix for the MAC. Yeah, the only interesting thing is you talked about the the loss of returning production specifically on the defense. But I was mentioning earlier I, when your head coach Lance Leopold leaves the program to go to Kansas. Yeah. Eesh. 
East. That's, That's not a good sign. Yeah. So there is quite a bit of talent on this team. Uh, our numbers have them uh, going eight and four, finishing second in their division. Uh, you know, so they're not terrible. They still have an opportunity to, with a bowl win, be a nine-win team, which yeah. is a good year for Maurice Lindquist in year one. But uh, I, I'm getting the feeling that this is kind of trending in the wrong way with with Buffalo. Yeah, and I, I don't like to say that, but that's sort of the the vibe that I'm getting here. It's unfortunate. Uh, so Central Michigan is who comes up next. Uh, all Mac first team players: Derek Smith, Troy Hairston, Troy Brown. We talked about Troy Hairston. Um, and then Marshall Meter is a kicker, which is a great weapon to have. You want one of those guys who's able to get you those points when you need it, um, especially in this as competitive as this conference I think will be with these caliber mm-hmm. of teams. Um, and then you have Daniel Richardson who's just coming in with just under a thousand yards, uh, pretty low uh, as far as like the the volume of games he was playing, uh, but his completion percentage was just under sixty five. So he's, he's right there as far as, you know, a potentially breakout player. He's a redshirt freshman, so he's definitely learning on the job. Uh-huh. Um, you want to see him, like I mentioned in the last podcast, quarterbacks able to slow the game down, make the right decisions. Um, well, one thing for sure, year three for Jim McElwee yeah. here, is you talk about the redshirt freshman quarterback. In six games last year, only two interceptions. I mean, I think that that is a good sign. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you wonder how much of those were dink and dunk passes, though. Yeah, well, and that's true, and you're right, not a, not a large sample size. But they do return a ton of production. Um, so, you know, we already talked about Troy Harrison and the tremendous talent that he is. Uh, you know, they, they should be in most of their games this year. And, um, you know, it, they got Missouri, at Missouri. So a lot of – they have a lot of games that are kind of toss-up or they're going to be – uh, dogs by seven to ten points, and they they're all on the road. So they're at Missouri Week One, at LSU Week Three, and then you, and then you get look at this three of the last four games of the season at Western Michigan, Kent State at home, at Ball State. They lose all three of those. Wow. Um, you know this could be anywhere from seven and five to three and nine, mm. but our numbers just the straight analytics have them going four and eight. Yeah. That's tough for them. Uh, moving on, Eastern Michigan. So you have uh, offense is just coming in under under eighty percent, just under eighty percent, barely, um, as far as return production goes. Swing schedule is pretty favorable for him. Uh, Chris Creighton has a solid. He could have a potentially solid year with them. I mean, but you know, it's Eastern Michigan. I'm not expecting them to let the world on fire. Um, they're a team I like to play on NCAA football a lot and like yeah. rebuild. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah, isn't it interesting he's been there for eight This is year eight for him. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that with a few coaches. Like maybe he's got some state secrets down there. <laughs> some, wonder. He's got pictures of somebody doing something illicit or something. <laughs> right. Well, he does have a pretty solid corner, though, in Noski LaFleur. Um, and then on the uh, – who's all first team, Mac? And then all the second team is Bryson Cannon, City Sal, Torn Rush, and, and – Two weapons you can't talk about enough: punter and kicker, kicker Chad Ryland and punter Jake Julian. So I think that there's talent. You know what I mean? It's just is it enough in the right spots? Are they going to be in the right spots? Uh, whatever Creighton has down in the water down in Michigan, hopefully it's not Flint water because yeah. you don't want them to to under succeed <laughs> for sure. A very a very easy schedule. Yeah, a very easy schedule. Uh, outside of week two, they're at Wisconsin, but start the season off St. Francis. Should be a win. Then they week three, they're at Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a really bad program. Yeah. They're in a really bad state. Then you get Texas State. 
Northern Illinois we're going to talk about soon. They're really down as well. So the numbers have them starting the season off uh, five and one. But then you come into uh, Ball State at home at Toledo. Uh, Ohio's probably a toss-up at home. And then you've got uh, at Central Michigan at the end of the season. So they could they could be seven and five to probably five and seven. Yeah. Uh, the numbers though have them five and seven, just barely missing out on a bowl game after going two and four mm. last year. Crazy. Uh, Kent State talked about them a little bit in depth uh, as far as potentially what they could be. Um, they do returning production is number one hundred twenty in the country as far as yeah. analytics go. So ton of defense. Left. Yeah, a lot of it. Uh, their offense though they're returning a lot of production. It's the, Excuse me, just under under about eighty percent, and then all MAC first team. Dustin Crumb talked about him in depth. Um, Nathan Monin, all second team, and then Bill Bill Kudak, the right tackle. Um, I don't really know too much about his game as far as it, but that's someone I want to dive into as as you know we come out here in the future and do our our draft profiling on some of these players. But their strength of schedule is is fourth uh, is what we have it. Sean Lewis has got a tough task for sure. Yep, tough strength of schedule. Like I said, I, I, I don't see a ton of difference between them and Ball State outside of, um, I mean, the, the loss of production on defense is really what hurts them a lot. Yeah. We, you know, we talked about the analytics have them ha- having the best offense in the country. It has them having the 120th ranked defense in the country. Yeah. Uh, just because of all that loss production. So start off the season at Texas A&M. Then week three, they're at Iowa and at Maryland. The numbers have them losing all three of those games, starting the season one and three. And then they finish off the rest of the season at seven and one. So a strong finish. Right. Uh, numbers have them going eight and four. And I agree with you. I think if if Kent State can beat, win at Maryland or at Iowa, yeah. I, I don't give them a chance against Texas A&M. But if they could win at <laughs> Maryland – or at Iowa, yeah. that could be an opportunity for Dustin Crum to do like it's his really Josh Allen moment, yeah. right? Yeah. You know what I mean, and really put him on the map. If he puts up some good numbers in those games, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. But it, but it's a, it's a tougher schedule for sure. Yeah, and moving on, Miami of, of Ohio Red Hawks, not the, not the U, no. Uh, head coach Chuck Martin coming into his seventh year. Um, offensive production is coming in seventy five percent. Defense is just under forty. Um, as far as really. What to expect from this team? I'm not expecting a whole lot personally. I think I think a bowl game is uh, a really far stretch. They did lose a lot of talent, and their strength of schedule isn't favorable for them. But uh, their Jack Sorensen is going to be the offense player that they're going to lean on the most. They have a real decent tight end Andrew Homer, and then defensive end Cameron Butler, who are on the second team All Conference list for these guys. So um, strength is the offense for sure. Yeah, outside, of, I mean, you got a freshman quarterback. Yeah, and so. That is a wild card. Also, this team only played three games last year. And I didn't look a ton into it, but, I mean, whether they had COVID issues or there may be a kind of an institutional control. Yeah, you wonder. Lack of institutional control issue yeah. here or whatever. Um, I, I, I agree. I think the weapons of Sorensen at wide receiver and Homer at tight end, uh, the, the freshman quarterback is going to have to really lean on them. So we'll yeah. see. But Miami of Ohio uh, – has a, a sort of a little bit tougher schedule, but our numbers have them going six and six mm. and potentially making a bowl game. Uh, they do get Ball State on the road and then finish the season at Kent State. Okay. First game of the season at Cincinnati. 
Oh, man. So, some tougher games on so the schedule. So, the battle for Ohio, basically, right there. Um, moving <laughs> the, the on. The Buckeyes might have something to say. Yeah, they that. might. <laughs> moving on, Northern Illinois Huskies. Um, the head coach, Thomas Hammock, and, and then as all-MAC first team is uh, Tyrese Ritchie. Uh, their defense is definitely the strength. They're returning just about everybody on that defensive side of the ball, coming in just under uh, 90%. Braden Patton and Jordan Gandy are leading that secondary. Or, sorry, Patton's on that center. Uh, Jordan Gandy is leading that secondary, second-team all-conference. Uh, but their strength of schedule is pretty tough for them. This is a team that, like, you would see kind of competitively in the in the mix for the MAC, or holding up the MAC trophy at the end of the year. Um, at least they have been for a while. I don't know if that really continues moving forward with Ball State being as good and Kent State being as good as they are this year. But you definitely like to see them kind of back in that mix, and I think they could potentially be. Yeah, after going five and seven in 2019, they go zero and six last year. They are they are kind of because of all the loss of production on offense, they're really kind of viewed as um, kind of unanimously as one of the one of the worst teams in the country. Our analytics have them as at 127th in the mm-hmm. country, and you mentioned their their tough strength of schedule. Yeah, they, you know, tough, tough, it, tough in in re- relation to them as as talent wise, right? Yeah. So they they do return a ton of talent on defense, or I mean, a ton of production on defense, but it it's not a level of talent that you would need to compete with a Ball State or a Kent State. Yeah. So they've got three games right out of the gate at Georgia Tech, Wyoming at home, and then at Michigan. All, well, with the exception of Wyoming. Georgia Tech and Michigan are both down Mm. when you think of them historically. Yeah. But are they down enough to lose to Northern Illinois? I don't see it. The numbers have them going 2-10 and with a win over Maine and then a win over Bowling Green. Wow. It's tough for them because, you know, definitely a fall from glory from where they once were. Ohio Bobcats is next. Tim Alvin coming into his first year and hurting a team uh, with a pretty solid defense. Uh, Demontre Tuggle, all first Mac, um, and then Ryan Lerman, uh, which is also on that first team. Will Evans and Isaiah, Co- Isaiah Cox and Curtis Rourke are going to be the three to keep an eye on for sure. Um, it's, you know, a tough, tough task for a new coach coming in. You don't really know the identity. You're losing a little bit of talent. Um, long, long go. Seven, you know, twenty nineteen. You were seven and six win team. Just not too much to go off of from last year because mm-hmm. you'd only played what three games. Yeah. So it's like, I, I just, I, I just don't really know too much about Ohio. What to expect from them? Yeah, I mean, it, it's actually kind of an interesting case because they don't have any defensive players on first team All Mac, but they, they do have analytically one of the better defenses in the country. Yeah. And so. You know, it's, I guess, just sort of the team effort concept, you know. There's not really uh, an outstanding player um, on, on defense. They're all doing their job, you know, the best of their capabilities, and they work together as a team. Yeah. This is this is a team that I think could surprise, surprise some people. Um, you know, they're kind of sneaky good. Again, you mentioned small sample size, three games last year. Our numbers have them going uh, eight and four. With kind of a middle of the road schedule, week three they're at Louisiana Lafayette. They also get uh, Northwestern, who's kind of down a little bit this year. Uh, week four on the road, and then they have your Buffalo Bulls on the road in the middle of the season. Uh, but yeah, our numbers have them going eight and four, which which you know historically is is going to be a pretty good season for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the Rockets, you've got head coach Jason Candle coming into Candle coming into his sixth year. 
Defense, again, is the strength. I feel like there's some pretty solid defensive teams yes. in this conference for sure. Um, and then Bryant Kobach, all first team. Uh, Bryce Harris, all first team. Deshaun Johnson, all first team. Samuel Womack, all first team. And Tyson Anderson, all first team. So definitely the strength lies in the in the defense for sure for these guys. Uh, their strength schedule is pretty favorable for them. Um, I think based on their last year, they were able to go 4-2 and two, um, in their shortened season. I, I, I don't see it being a stretch for them to kind of jump off to a really good start. You know, it's just can they sustain that uh, throughout the rest of the year with that momentum? Yeah, first four games, Norfolk State at home, at Notre Dame, Colorado State at home, at Ball State. The numbers have them going two and two. But after that, the only other two games the numbers have them losing are at Western Michigan, and I mean Western Michigan at home, and at Ohio, the second to last game of the season. That's Those crazy. are both winnable games. Toledo could, if they are able to put it together with the talent they have, they, they could have a 10-win season this year, but the numbers right now have them going 8-4. And, four, and um, you know, we'll, we'll see what uh, Carter Bailey, the sophomore quarterback, is able to put together for them. Absolutely. With, with, with I don't know if you mentioned, but the easiest schedule in the conference. <laughs> right. Uh, Western Michigan Broncos coming in um, with the second hardest strength of schedule. Uh, their offensive and defense production coming in around 50%. As far as All-Mac, uh, first team, Mike Kellyendo and Ralph Hawley, the center and the nose tackle for sure. Um, keep an eye on the redshirt sophomore, Caleb Ellaby, who came in with 1,700 yards, 65, just under 65% completion rate, 18 TDs, two interceptions. So pretty solid numbers for him. Tim Lester's definitely got the ball rolling on the offensive side of the ball, yep. I think. Um, and then as far as anything really outside of the offense, like that's definitely the strength. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I think that Ladarius Jefferson can have a big year. Uh, it really just kind of depends on how, how can Caleb continue the success throwing the ball? Yeah. No, yeah, they have, they have some really good young talent on offense. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I agree with you. I think Tim Lester's got something good building here. Uh, the unfortunate thing, like you mentioned, is they have a very difficult schedule. Uh, the numbers have them going six and six. They get Ball State and Kent State both at home. Week four, well, week three at Pittsburgh. That could be an interesting litmus test. Uh, week four, they have San Jose State at home. That could also be an interesting litmus test. Right. Uh, but the numbers have them going six and six, making a bowl game. If they're able to really get that offense clicking and the defense is able to kind of round into shape, this is a team you could maybe see winning eight or nine games. But, uh, but, again, the numbers have them going 6-6, six and six, and that's the last team in the MAC. Yep. Uh, well, perfect. So thank you so much for, for listening to us again um, as far as the conference outlook goes. Um, there's Kent State, Ball State. Can't talk about them enough. Uh, next week we're going to actually move into talking about the, the Big Ten Conference. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, as far as really anything outside of Kent State, Ball State, um, in this conference, it wasn't that we were trying to highlight, you know, just those two teams, but they're just the most talented teams, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but as far as, you know, recruiting news and all that, we hope we hit it all. If you have any other questions or tidbits or anybody we left out, go ahead and hit us up, uh, the fan section at Twitter and then the fan section one at gmail.com. Next week, like I said, the Big Ten, we're excited for it. <laughs>